0: Quick strategic thinking is crucial,
1: and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our
0: fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds
2: Here are some highlights of the third episode of the Menna's Masterclass series. My guest for this episode is Greg Chappell. The full interview is available on our Patreon page, and in exciting news, it will soon be available on the Apple Podcasts app through a new subscription service they are setting up. My guest for this episode, Greg Chappell, played 87 tests for Australia, with the sublime batting average of almost 54 which is the sixth highest average of players that have played over 80 tests. He captained Australia in 48 tests and received the Order of Australia for Distinguished Service to Cricket as a leading player, captain, coach and administrator at the elite level and for a range of charitable foundations. Here is Greg Chappell. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Um, How are you?
1: Yeah, good, Andrew. Thanks very much for
2: having me. It's really a real honour to have you on the podcast. How have you um, enjoyed your time since you've stepped away from the game?
1: Uh, mixed, I think, is the uh, the answer to the question. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my time uh, in all of different roles, playing, coaching, selecting, uh, and in the talent management role was uh, was also enjoyable. I didn't uh, retire for full time retirement. I I felt the time was right to step back from uh, from the day-to-day roles, but I did keep uh, a consulting role with Cricket Australia in the youth area, which has uh, you know, been close to my heart for a long time. Sadly, March last year changed the environment, and uh, a lot of uh, well, all of the um, consulting work dried up. So uh, I'm pretty much forced into full-time retirement. I'm uh, I'm still sort of uh, working on a few. Project some cricket related, some uh, elsewhere because I don't want to be sitting around uh, twiddling my thumbs. And I, as much as I love my golf, I couldn't play every day.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, it's a frustrating game. Do you have sort huh. of contact with the, the modern players or, or, or do you try and sort of give step away from that now?
1: Oh, now that I've finished in all the, the roles with, with Cricket Australia, I've pretty much taken that. Backseat, I you know, I obviously was closely involved with the, all of those guys as they came through the, the system over the you know the last 20 years. But, um, apart from one or two who you know I remain reasonably close to and uh, speak to from time to time, uh, I'm pretty much out of it.
2: Must be a little bit of a relief then to be out of the pressure cooker.
1: Yeah, I didn't find it so much of a pressure cooker. I think you know, cricket has been a big part of my life for as long as I can remember and you know I always felt comfortable in the environment of cricket whatever the role was so um yeah sure from time to time the pressure builds up but pressure is pretty much an internal thing I, I think it's what you allow it to be and because I felt comfortable in the environment I I never really felt that much pressure
2: Now, um, I I believe, um, you know, it's really important in cricket in Australia that the knowledge gained from previous generations is sort of passed down and I had a little bit of taste of it. I was a a cricket coach at Barry Knight Cricket Camps for many years and I used to spend a lot of time with Doug Walters, Brian Tabor, Norm O'Neill at lunches and they used to just pass on all this wonderful knowledge um, about cricket and I I'm sure that probably started for you at a young age. You would have knowledge passed to you from um, previous generations.
1: Absolutely, you know. I think it's a really important thing to to continue. You know, there's a lot of stuff that um, you know the past players know that it's important to um, to access. You know, we've got all this intellectual property sitting out there, and we don't want it to go to waste because. You don't want to have to reinvent the wheel every every generation, so we can, you know, pass some of that on. I, I think it's important. I was lucky, you know, our grandfather was an um, international figure, and um, you know, we we've had the opportunity to uh, to learn some things directly from him, but also from others, you know, friends of his from from his era that I, I got to meet. Uh, so Donald Bradman was chairman of the South Australian Cricket Association when I came into the game and was chairman of selectors for South Australia and Australia and um, I got the opportunity to uh, you know get some information passed on from from him which was very uh, beneficial and as a young player when I first started playing shield cricket you know we'd we'd have a beer at the end of the day with the, the opposition players and just sitting around listening to some of the, the the current and former test cricketers that were still playing talk about the game, as you say, it's amazing what uh, what you can pick up, and and even just from watching them, you don't necessarily have to hear from them. Uh, just watching the way they go about their preparation, the way they play, the sorts of things that they focus on, uh, I think is really important. And you don't want those lessons to be to be lost. And I, you know, I, I hope that in the various roles that I had after my playing days, that I was able to. Uh, pass some of that information on to uh, guys who are currently running around and and no doubt they'll pass it on to the next generation. So, you know, really, when you think about my personal experience, um, you know, with our grandfather who played in the the Bodyline series, you know, the link from us through him went right back to the very early days of cricket in Australia and, uh, you know, and Ash's Ash's test matches. So... uh, We want that link to continue.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What what sort of things did um, your grandfather or Don Bradman say to you when you were coming through the ranks? What are a couple of the things that maybe stick out?
1: Yeah, look, I think from our grandfather's point of view, I mean, he wasn't, you know, we we weren't involved with him on a day-to-day basis, so it was only sort of a few times a year at family functions that we'd get together. But... You know, little homilies like, you know, not everyone can be a good cricketer, but everyone can look like a good cricketer. So, you know, he thought the way you presented yourself was, um, was important. You know, he felt the game was, was there to be played uh, attackingly, that, um, you know, it wasn't your job as a player or a captain to go out there and try not to lose. It was a matter of going out there and look to win the game. So, in his terms, lead the game rather than follow the game. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a piece of advice about my batting grip from Sir Donald Bradman when I was a, an 18-year-old, which turned out to be very, very beneficial. I had a very, um I was very much a leg side player all through my my school days and even into first class and, and even to test cricket, very strong leg side player. But um, Sir Donald suggested a change in my top hand grip to improve my offside play and it had an immediate impact and I used that grip from that day onwards. And so that was in, an important uh, piece of information that that he was able to pass on. But, you know, playing under people like Les Pavel, who was captain of the South Australian team when I started, Les was a very positive and aggressive captain. So that sort of fitted, um, you know, the message that we'd received from our grandfather and our father. You know, dad's messages. Dad was a, a, a first class, uh, sorry, a, a first grade cricketer had been in the state squad for a, a number of years he represented South Australia at baseball so he was a good sportsman in his own right and you know he taught us from a very early age that you had a bat in your hand for one reason and one reason alone and that was to score runs so you know he insisted that we play in the backyard or anywhere we played we played it seriously and played with a hard ball but he didn't give us any pads and gloves to play with initially so um You know, his theory was if you learn to use the bat properly, you won't need pads and gloves, so get out there and get on with it.
2: (laughs) Certainly a good philosophy. Is there anything um, since you've retired that you've particularly wanted to give to the next generation, any sort of messaging?
1: Not anything particular other than I suppose if there's one thing that I learned very early, thankfully, um, in my cricket career, was that the attitude that you bring to the game is the most important thing. You know, sure... Your physical ability is important, but you take as a given that someone who's playing first class cricket and above is talented and has has a method that works. Otherwise, they wouldn't have got that far. From that point onwards, it, it's between the ears, and um, you know, just say the attitude that you bring is really important. Um, you know, I learned very early on that it was important to think about what you wanted to happen rather than worry about what might happen. So, being a, an observer of your thought processes is a really important uh, part of it, and it was a very big part of my my playing days. Um, you know, my mental routine uh, was critical to my success, and any period that I had uh, failure, I could trace back to the fact that I got distracted and I'd got away from my my mental routines and you know started to worry about what was happening at my end rather than making sure that I saw the ball leave the bowler's hand.
2: What was it like following in your older brother's, Ian's footsteps? Because I actually was looking at this through the summer and Ian said that when you came into the side, he actually became a better batter. His test average went up. Your 100 in your first test gave him a bit of a kick up the backside. What was it like for you sort of following in a, an older brother's footsteps who's been very successful?
1: Oh, look, it was a blessing for me. I was very lucky. Ian's five years older, so he was that step ahead of me all the way through. And it was a little bit like Hansel and Gretel, you know, he was leaving the Mm. breadcrumbs, and I I followed them. We were, thankfully, uh, all three of us were were keen on our sport, and particularly our our cricket. And Dad was absolutely passionate about it. When I look back on it, I realised that there was probably a bit of frustration for him. You know, he was 19 when the Second World War broke out. So a big chunk of his sporting career was interrupted. Uh, as I said before, he played state baseball for South Australia. He was in the state cricket squad. Probably a bit unlucky not to have um, not to have played state cricket. You know, he would have loved to have done that. He would have loved to have played cricket for Australia. So I think some of that frustration was channeled into us, and uh, he put a lot of energy into our cricket. He had a he had a blueprint for what you know he told Ian very early on that um, Ian would bat number three for Australia, I would bat number four and Trevor would open the batting. So uh, he had a, a grand plan and he worked hard towards doing it and thankfully it worked out. But, you know, Ian, Ian has been my hero from very early on. I've followed him around as closely as I could as a youngster. Sadly, with the five-year age difference, um, you know, he wasn't particularly interested in having you know a five and a six-year-old uh, involved in what he was doing as an 11 and a 12-year-old, but Thankfully, he must have run out of mates at some stage because at nine years of age, he uh, invited me to play in the test matches in the backyard. And they were pretty willing affairs. They were always Ashes test matches. The bad news for me was that Ian, as the older brother, was Australia and I had to be England, which was a bit of a challenge. Uh, So I learned to lose for about five years before Ian moved on and I became Australia and then Trevor became England and I learned to win. So it was um, a good balance. Serious cricket. Ian didn't take into consideration that I was five years younger, so he worked me over. But when I look back on it, those backyard test matches, you know, taught me some things that became very important later on. Firstly, luckily I loved the contest; otherwise, I wouldn't have stayed because he kept beating me, and you know, he wasn't letting me win. Uh, So, you know, I learned to compete. I learned to sort of hang in there when times were tough.
2: I hope you enjoyed that taste of my Menna's Masterclass interview with Greg Chapel. The full interview with Greg and also Shane Watson and Lisa Stilaika are available now on our Patreon page. Also, Paul's deep dive series are there, which are very fascinating. Thanks for listening. Back soon.
0: On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds.